Well, we are in our November series that if you've been here, you know it's called Echo Chamber. And we are taking this entire month to uh, celebrate and uh, encourage and uh, talk about the faithfulness of God. We are thankful for the faithfulness of God. As we go into Thanksgiving this week, it's, uh, there's nothing to be more thankful for than the faithfulness of God in our lives, amen? And so we are taking this whole month to, uh, to celebrate that and to reiterate it in our lives. Uh, we're doing it through, obviously, the Sunday morning sermons, and then we've been showing you video testimonies of our people that have experienced the faithfulness of God in specific ways, and we're gonna show you another one today, actually, that's really great. And then next week, instead of a video, uh, I've invited Pastor Bowen to come up and he's gonna share for a few minutes his testimony that, uh, of God's faithfulness in his life over the last few years. And I know some of you don't know Pastor Bowen, but for those of you that do, you know that his story over these last few years has been incredible. So you don't wanna miss it. If you are in town, you're gonna wanna be here uh, next Sunday. It's gonna be wonderful. So uh, we've called it Echo Chamber because the definition of an Echo Chamber is an environment in which participants encounter beliefs that reinforce their beliefs by communication and repetition. So that's exactly what we're doing. We're creating an environment where our beliefs about the faithfulness of God are being reinforced by what we're hearing over this month. And I pray that it's been encouraging and challenging for you, and uh, we're gonna continue with that today. So, uh, so you ready for the word? Come on now, you ready for the word? Yeah. There we go, all right. Well, stand with me, please, one more time, and then you can sit for the next 40 minutes, I promise. <laughs> uh, we're gonna be in Psalm 86. If you don't have your Bible, you can look on the screen. Uh, let's let this be our prayer today. So as we read this together, make this your prayer to the Lord for today. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Abounding in faithfulness, that is our God that we serve. And I know we probably don't have bands of ruthless men seeking our life, but the idea here is that there is trouble everywhere, but God is faithful, amen? Uh, last week we talked about the, uh, uh, the faithfulness of God, the perplexing faithfulness of God, Today, we're gonna to be talking about the relentless faithfulness of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time we have together today, God. We give this time to you. Would you do what only you can do in each one of our hearts today, God? And you get all the glory for everything you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So you might have heard the proverb uh, that too much of a good thing is actually a bad thing. Uh, maybe you've even experienced that in your life. Uh, I know I have, an, I've thought of a couple different scenarios where I've experienced it. Uh, I don't know about you, but if there's a song that I really like, I, will, I can tend to play it too much, over and over, put my phone on repeat, just let it keep playing, and it gets to the point where that song I love, now I hate it, and when I hear it, I get angry. <laughs> uh, maybe you do that. Or maybe, uh, like me, if you go on vacation, and on vacation, you know, you think, you know what, I'm just gonna throw restraint into the wind and I'm gonna have dessert after every meal. I might even have it for breakfast. I'm just gonna eat all the sweets I want because I can't do it when I'm living my normal life. So. And you do that, and then by the end of the week, you never wanna see ice cream or chocolate again. You actually hate the look of, or the taste of even something sweet. Now granted, that goes away and the sweet love comes back soon, but 
Uh, but there are things in our life where too much of a good thing can actually be a bad thing. But in our relationship with God and the things that God gives us, the good things he gives us, there's no such thing as too much of a good thing from God being a bad thing. God's faithfulness, there's no way we could ever have too much of it to where it would become a bad thing in our life. Everything from him is good in our life. In fact, my text, that last sentence of my text says that God is abounding in love and faithfulness, that he is abounding. That word abounding there really just means that he's overflowing with faithfulness, that we have more than we need, that there's no chance of us running out. There's no need to fear because there's no way that his faithfulness could ever run out in our life. And last week I shared a verse quick briefly from Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah, where he said that his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. That word great is the exact same word as this word abounding, meaning that there's more than enough that we don't have to worry about whether or not his faithfulness will run out in our life or his love will run out because he has enough to go around. Praise God for that, amen? That'll never become a problem in our life. And it's a great thing because that is meant to bring us comfort in our life. It's meant to bring peace into our life, knowing that his faithfulness can never run out, that there's more than enough. And the fact that he tells us and reassures us that there is enough, because he used the word abounding, the fact that the Bible tells us that tells me that we must need a lot of it. It's not something we just dip into as we need it. We must need to have a lot of the faithfulness of God because things you don't need a lot of, you don't care if you have it in abundance, right? It does nothing for me to know that we have an abounding amount of cottage cheese in our refrigerator because I don't have any use for cottage cheese. It just needs to be thrown out. <laughs> but on the other hand, if I found out that we have an abounding amount of pump foam soap in the house, I'm really happy. And that's because I'm weird. Because I've only started wearing glasses in the last few years, and if you know me, if people close to me know, I do not like my glasses to be dirty. If they get smudged, I'm, mm, mm. My sanctification wanes a little bit. And so, uh, and the only thing that really cleans glasses is pump soap. I don't know if you knew that or not, but that's the only thing that works. And so I need it like everywhere. And if we're running out, I can get a little anxious. And so, uh, in fact, for my 50th birthday, my brother and sister-in-law sent me a box of 10 of those pump foam soaps. <laughs> and uh, I think they did it as a joke, but little do they know, it was one of my favorite gifts I got. <laughs> because I have them everywhere. They're all over the place. They're just like crawling the walls. So. Uh, it's really great. But need, having that in abundance actually gives me comfort and peace because I'm weird. Uh, but there's, you know, for all of us, there's something in our life that is really good to have in abundance. And we need the faithfulness of God in abundance. And you might think, well, do I really need it that much? Do I need the faithfulness of God all the time? I mean, can't I just use it when I need it? Don't I just need it when I'm going through something, when things are difficult in my life? You know, can't it just be kind of like a savings account where it's there but I only dip into it when I need it. It gives me some comfort knowing it's there if I need it, but I don't really wanna dip into it unless I have to, because if I have to, that means I'm going through something that is requiring me to need it. But that way of thinking, and it's easy to think that way, is actually really dangerous in our life. It's not only misguided, it's dangerous, because that is absolutely not how the faithfulness of God works in our life. The faithfulness of God for our life is something that we need every second of every minute of every hour, of every day, of every week, every month, and every year. 
There's never a moment in our life that we do not need God's faithfulness. It's not just for when we mess up or when we're going through something. We need his faithfulness in our life every day. And it's very important that we understand that because that affects how we live out this life. And it's so great because his faithfulness is what sustains us. His faithfulness sustains us in life. And we need to be sustained. It supports us in our life, even when we don't notice it's there. It's supporting us, it's sustaining us. It's his faithfulness is what's keeping us going. The only thing I know to compare it to really in the natural would be oxygen. The fact that we need oxygen every day, all the time to sustain life, to continue living. There's times we don't think about it. Most of us aren't sitting here thinking like, yeah, you know what, I'm taking in O2 and I'm breathing out CO2. You know, we don't think about it, but it, it, if it wasn't there, we would think about it a lot because we'd be in a lot of trouble. And if the faithfulness of God ever left us, we would know it in a heartbeat because we need it so desperately in our life. We are always consuming oxygen all the time, all the time, just like we're always consuming the faithfulness of God as well in our life. We desperately need something to sustain us in life because life is tough and we cannot thrive on our own. And many of you, if you can remember back to the time before you actually gave your life to Jesus, you know what that is, to know that you cannot thrive in life on your own. Until you can experience the faithfulness of God, the salvation that God brings, and, the, and living with him, walking with him, you know enough to know, man, I just can't imagine doing it on my own. Because we have to have his faithfulness in our life. I love that the Bible says many times throughout the Bible, you, hear the, you see the term, it came to pass. It came to pass, which is interesting because it, what that, that tells us a lot just in those few words. It says that things come to us, they come into our life, but they don't come to stay, they come to pass. There's stuff we're going through all the time that comes into our life, but it's, usually it's for a season, it comes to pass. And it's during that time that it's there that we really need to see the faithfulness of God, but we need it before those things come, and we need it when, after they pass too. We need the faithfulness of God in our life. Galatians 6 tells us, the Apostle Paul says, let us not grow weary in doing good because in due time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. It's the same idea as it came to pass. He's saying, don't grow weary in doing good. You know, when you're doing good and it's easy and things are good, you don't get weary. The weariness comes when we're doing good and we're not seeing the fruit of it. Or when we're doing good and we're swimming upstream because everything around us seems to be bad. And Paul's saying, don't grow weary in that because in due time, that'll pass. And you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. The Bible is constantly telling us that it came to pass, not to grow weary, to, to, to allow God to sustain us through those seasons in our life. The, the faithfulness of God is what helps us not to give up. Another word the Bible uses when we're talking about how the faithfulness of God sustains us is that the Bible encourages us to endure. You see the word endure a lot. And endurance is a major, major part of our faith, right? There's lots of times in our faith that we have to endure. And that's another thing, we don't have to endure when things are good. You only have to endure when you're going through something that's challenging. I don't have to endure sleeping in on my day off. But I do have to endure getting up at 4.30 a.m. the next day. We only have to show endurance when it's challenging, when things are tough in our life. And the beauty of it is that it's not about being perfect. You know, endurance isn't never messing up. 
Endurance isn't always making the right decisions. Endurance isn't about never falling down, it's about never staying down. It's about getting back up. It's about trusting God through that and watching God's faithfulness bring you through those seasons that come to pass in your life and enduring through those. And when we understand and we recognize the faithfulness of God, it helps us to endure. Because see, many of us, like we, we definitely can reap what we sow in our life. You know, some of us have made, all of us have made bad choices. Some of us have made some probably recently. A lot of us are probably still in the wake of some of those choices we made that were not good. And we're still dealing with those things. We're dealing with the consequences of those things. And we're having to endure because of those things. But God's faithfulness is what helps us to endure and to get through those. I love the heart of God because you know, even though we make mistakes, we make bad choices, and we do things we shouldn't do, those things don't define us. Those things don't determine who we are. God's faithfulness determines who we are, that I'm a child of the king, and that I'm saved, and I'm, and I'm set apart, and I'm his, and I'm his child, and I have his spirit in me to live for him and with him. And so those choices, even though we have to suffer the consequences of some of them, they don't actually define us. God's faithfulness sustains us, even in those bad decisions sometimes. That's what's so great about our God. Church, that is what is so amazing about him. In fact, oftentimes you will see the faithfulness of God manifested more powerfully in the wake of the bad decisions. You know, where you've made, some, you've, you've done something that, and it doesn't have to be, and I'm not talking about, oh, like these horrible sins, you know? I'm talking about just making dumb decisions, uh, selfish decisions or whatever, maybe sometimes even innocently, it was just the wrong choice and you're in, the, you're in the, the ramifications of that, you're reaping whatever you sowed there and a lot of times those are the situations where God comes in the most, where you see him the most because you know if he didn't come in and, and show his faithfulness to you that you would have been in a lot of trouble. There's plenty of times for me in my life where I would say, man, I'm blessed in spite of what I did. I'm blessed in spite of the decisions that I have made in life. And those are the things that really help us to endure, especially the next time, because guess what? You know when we finish making bad choices? When we die. <laughs> That's when it ends, because we just can't always make the right choice, the right decision in every situation, but God is faithful through all of it. I wanna share a verse with you uh, that, that, I, that is about the faithfulness of God. And I might not look like it on the front, but I'll explain it, and I think it's gonna encourage you. It's in James 1, verses 16 and 17. James says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. That's a great verse. Most of you know that verse. There's songs written about this verse. But you might not think about that as being a verse about the faithfulness of God. But wow, is it ever. I feel like even just this week, this was illuminated to me a little more in my life. It says that every perfect, every good and perfect gift is from God. So that means that every good thing, good gift in my life, every perfect good gift in my life is from God. And so if God was not faithful, I wouldn't have them. It's his faithfulness that brings those things to me because I don't deserve them. You guys know enough to know we don't deserve anything good from God. If we get what we deserve, it's another story but we get these gifts from God because of his faithfulness, and if it wasn't for his faithfulness, we wouldn't have them. And James starts this verse by saying, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Don't fall into deception here. There's no one else, it's no one else's generosity, it's no one else's faithfulness that's bringing these gifts into your life, it's God's. And then 
But on that, we can get caught up or we can even let our minds go to a place where we start talking about the good gifts of God and thinking, well, that's just the big wow gifts. You know, that's just the big stuff. The, if, you're, you know, if you're gifted enough to be a professional athlete or a professional musician or just really, really intelligent and, and God's gifted you with things like that or it's about you know, the gift of the, the big house that, that you have or the, the, the great family or friends or all those big things that we would say and those are absolutely gifts from God but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there at all. That's just the very beginning. He says every good thing is from God. Your senses are from God. The fact that you can see, smell, hear, touch, and taste everything except cottage cheese. All of them, it's, it's a good gift that's from God. Waking up is a gift from God. Praise God that you woke up this morning. Falling asleep is a gift from God. Praise God for a good night's sleep. Like, I mean, you could just go on and on and on. The ability to relate to others, the ability to function in life, all of these things are gifts that require God's continual faithfulness in your life. All of them. I mean, even having a sound mind, it's a wonderful gift from God. In fact, uh, Paul said it to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. It's a gift from God that he gives us. That we, don't, we just take it for granted, but it is a wonderful gift from God. And if we're missing anything, just to make sure we paint with a really big brush here, Acts 17, 25 says, he, give, he himself gives all men life and breath, and oh, by the way, everything else. Praise God for his gifts to us. We, oh, it's important to remember that his faithfulness sustains us, that it carries us through life. And church, whether you feel it or see it or recognize it or not, his faithfulness is evident in your life too. It is absolutely evident in every one of our lives because every good thing in our life comes from him. But his faithfulness is not just to sustain us. That's a big part of it, but he's also designed it to change us. His faithfulness changes us. It changes us at the core of who we are. It is a big part of what it makes us more like him. His spirit in us and the faithfulness of his spirit in us is what changes us and makes us more like him. And we'll start with the biggest change that he could possibly make to any one of us. His faithfulness saves us. Praise God. If you are here today and you are a Christian and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, that is the biggest change you could have ever had in your life. There's no bigger change because he changed your destination for eternity. And he was faithful to do that. And when he saves us, it's a done deal. And it is a wonderful thing. Romans 10, verse 12, I love it. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone. Everyone say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. Yes, let's praise God for that. We can get saved. This is a great evidence of the faithfulness of God. You can know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. Because Jesus, Jesus said in John 6, he says, everyone that comes to me, I'll never reject them. Never. That's the heart of our God. It's not dependent on the mood that God's in. It doesn't depend on your race, on your gender, on your social status, on your financial status. None of it matters. Because he uses the same standard for every single one of us. And it's a wonderful thing. 
I'm going to show you a, a video. One of our young adults, young men, young teenagers here in our church that, uh, that has experienced this in a powerful way recently. So watch the screens. My name is Elijah Barley, junior at Evan High School, um, 18 years old. Myself before I got, uh, had that fire for God and myself before I really took that, you know, that jump and that next leap inside, I was really a product of my environment. A lot of things happened around me, not so much directly towards me, but family around me moving down here to the South. I was just really whimsical, wasn't really grounded in anything. I just did what everyone else did around me. In the moment, looking back, I probably thought it was like, I thought it was the right thing. I thought it was cool. I thought it was just like, it, it felt, it just felt right. I thought it did. And, you know, obviously with time and slowly realizing that the things that I was doing was, you know, self-destructive in a way. And I was only making generational curses or um, just putting myself in bigger holes and messing up a lot of relationships. And when I lived um, up north, when I lived in Baltimore, I went to church not too often, but I also didn't pay attention at all, really. I didn't really have the community right there with me or anything. Really would just go to church on Sunday and then continue with my life that I was living. What led me to church and what led me getting closer to God, it happened really fast. And I started to see that not only was I doing the things that I was doing, like not only was I doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, that I was carrying people with me and I was bringing people with me while doing it. They were starting to self-destruct and I felt like part of the problem was, was me. New Hope was the first church that I did go to by myself. I had multiple friends that went here and they've tried to get me to go prior and I just did it and then I finally did. Um, I decided to bring some um, friends with me, the same friends that I felt like I was, uh, you know, leading in a bad way. I decided to, uh, you know, put a hand out and get them to come also. And I guess that's where we are now. When I, once I got that fire for God and I started going to church consistently and not only going, but really feeling it in my heart, building that relationship with, with what I would consider my friend, building that relationship with my friend um, outside of church in the Word, praying consistently. I just felt like there was, I, it just wasn't enough at first. Like I just, I just needed like a little, like something just. And then um, unfortunately, my uh, grandfather passed. Many people, when a family member passed, especially someone really close to them, it definitely drifts them away. The fortunate thing out of the whole, you know, situation that it, it did bring me closer. I was, I was tired, you know, I was tired of the way that I was living, and I wanted what really struck to my, like, what really hit my heart was my friends, you know, the people that I brought with uh, New Hope with me. It's, it's not just about me anymore, and it's people that looked up to me since day one, and it felt like a. It felt like something that I needed to make happen. And then, I, honestly, I wanted to just to get right myself. I wanted my relationship with God to not just be in church, but to be outside of church in my daily living. So I, I really did, I really wanted to, you know, take my time with it. You know, I'm doing it the way God wants me to. And not rushing anything that he has set out for me. I reached out to just on Instagram. She explained to me, like, you know, what salvation meant, what the commitment meant, what it looked like how to, you know, live a proper Christian life. And although, you know, it's never gonna be perfect, what it looks like. I took what she said and I told her, um, I'll think about it. And I definitely put, it was like, it was um, midweek early in the week. So I definitely had time to, uh, to really think it through and just pray about everything. 
going into church that Sunday, I knew, I knew I was, I was ready. I knew it was a step that I wanted to take. From that moment, it was going to be different. And even about a month, about a month later, I, I still know that it definitely hit home. And I know that, I know that God, like, He really had a set for me that day. Um, the people that I brought with me. The way I, I touch one of my friends and just I just I show all the love that I can. I, I knew it was just it was all just right. Now that I have Jesus as my anchor, you know, my fortitude, I, I definitely see I see people viewing me differently. My friends are living a different life also. And that, that matters a lot to me also. A lot. Um, because I do believe you are a product of your environment. I think that's that's stuck with me since I was a kid, before I even met Jesus. And I want all the people in my environment, and I want people to know that I am a follower of Christ, and I'm here with open arms if uh, you ever really want to make that commitment. I'm always here. How I would describe God or Jesus, and I would really say a best friend. There are people out there that, you know, don't have the best, um, don't have the best interest for you, but God does. And that's the only person that you need to worry about, and that's the person that's ultimately going to have your back. Um, today's the day I also get baptized. Um, it means a lot. I think the biggest thing that um, it means for me, not only is it like, you know, a public uh, announcement of your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you, I think it shows, you know, some of the people I did leave behind in the old ways that it's not who I am anymore. And that I'm right here if you don't want to do that anymore. And it shows the people that knew me before I chose God, that, that I'm, I, I'm different now, and that I'm here. Good job, young man. You know, uh, Elijah was saved because of God's faithfulness to him. He drew him to him. And uh, you know, it's funny, because he didn't even know we were, I was gonna be sharing today, but. He said something that I thought was so good. In fact, I wrote it down because I loved it. He said, not everyone has the best interest for you, but God does. And that's the only person you need to worry about. He's the one who's gonna have your back. And you know what? Uh, yeah, praise God. That's actually a really great definition of God's faithfulness. That he's the one that has your back. He's the only one you need to worry about. Other people are gonna let you down, but God is faithful all the time. And man, to, to get that at such a young age, what are you, Elijah, 18? 18 years old, he's got it. Man, people live their whole life and never experience that, you know? So praise God, thankful for what God is doing in the lives of our people. And uh, you know, the fact that Elijah or anyone can be that confident that God's got your back, how, how do we get that confidence? How do, we, how do we be able to walk in knowing that, you know what, he's faithful, he's got my back, and nothing's gonna steer me away from that? Nothing is going to keep me from trusting God that he's gonna be faithful. How do we even get to that place? How do we, how do we believe that? Because it can seem so abstract in some ways, you know? But there's a, there's a passage in Ephesians 1 that I absolutely love, that there's so much truth in it. We could probably just preach the whole sermon on this, these two verses, but I wanna share them with you real quickly. Ephesians 1:13. it says, you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the fact is that you hear it. He says, you know, if you've heard it and then you believed it, you're saved. So if you're saved here today, somebody somewhere, sometime told you the gospel, you heard it, you believed it, and then you were marked with a seal. And that seal is the Holy Spirit. God gives us his spirit the moment we step into salvation and he seals you and then he guarantees your inheritance. Now your inheritance, it's way better than any financial inheritance that your family could leave you. This is the eternal inheritance. This is the one that says, you know what? I'm guaranteeing that when when you're done with this life and you step into the next life, I'm guaranteeing you're gonna be mine. And that's incredible that God can guarantee that in our life. And when we can... When we can understand that, when, when that gets inside of us, it just changes everything because that is the greatest act of faithfulness God can do. And you know what makes this verse to me so amazing and so good and really solidifies it is what he says at the very end of that verse. He says, to the praise of his glory. He's doing all of this for his glory. Now, you know, I say it often that God loves us, but his primary focus in our life is not his love for us, it is his glory in our lives. It is his glory being revealed. Even his love for you is about glorifying himself. So when he says, I'm gonna do all these things, and it's not for you or for your glory, it's actually for mine. That to me is like, that's enough because I know that's God's heart. So I don't have to worry about him doing it because he's in the right mood or maybe he's gonna change his mood at some point. He says, if I do this, it's gonna glorify me, and that's what I'm about. And so we can stand on it and be confident that he's gonna to continue to be faithful in our life in the, when he saves us, praise God. All right, his faithfulness saves us, it also transforms us. His faithfulness transforms us. Being saved, his faithfulness saving us is wonderful, it's paramount in our life, and having our eternal destination changed is awesome, but we still have to live this life too. When you get saved, you don't just get whisked off to heaven You actually have to stay here and live. So we have to live it out here. So we need to be transformed because we know that who we are before Jesus comes into our life is not enough. So he, his faithfulness is actually part of what transforms us. It's designed to transform us. His faithfulness isn't just meant to appease us or to, uh, to help us along, but it's designed to make us different, to make us different from others. That's what it means to be transformed to be different. In fact, the definition for just the Webster's definition for transformed, to make a thorough or dramatic change in the form, appearance, or character of. That's what transformation is, to make a thorough change. So that's, that's what Jesus does. That's what's so beautiful. When he transforms us, he makes a thorough change in our character and our appearance. Not the appearance of how we look. That'd be nice too sometimes, but that's not what we're talking about. It's about the appearance, the countenance that we have, how we even approach life, how we look to other people. You ever seen somebody say like, oh, you can just tell that person's a Christian. Just, they just look different. They, they walk through trials with joy. You know, they just, they just have a different way of approaching life. That's how he transforms us in our life. He draws our desires away from the world, away from just pleasing ourselves into living for something completely op- different from that, which is to live for him. He puts the desires of our heart in there so that we actually desire more of him and less of those other things. He transforms our heart. And you know, this transformation was prophesied way back before Jesus was even on the earth. Around 600 years before Jesus, Ezekiel 
was on the earth and he was prophesying and he gives a great prophecy of the coming of Jesus in Ezekiel 36. And I highlighted the words here that, that show transformation. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's transformation. He says, I'm gonna remove and I'm gonna give new. And it was fulfilled when Jesus came. And when, when we give our lives to him, he, gives, he does exactly that. He gives us a new heart, he gives us a new spirit, and we are different. Our countenance is different. Our response to situations is different. Our character is different. So we have to ask ourselves, is that exemplary of me? Does that show, is that what people would say would they see with me that I'm different? Am I living with the evidence of a new spirit and a new heart? Or do I look very much like I looked before I started walking with Jesus? It's important that we ask ourselves that question because it's easy to get in those ruts where we just kind of go along. The transformation is not guaranteed to be evident in our life. We have to continually give ourselves to him, to continually reject those things that would take us away from him. So are you a billboard for the faithfulness of God when it comes to transformation? Or are you a billboard for the saying that some things never change? Which one are we? If we look back, if you look back, if you've been saved for you know, 20 years and you look back five years ago and you're reacting, responding to things in your life the same way you did five years ago, then you're not progressing, you're not growing in trusting in the faithfulness of God in your life. Because as we grow, we trust him more and more. We, we see his faithfulness more and more in our life. And as we grow, we see God's faithfulness in ways that others can't even see it. You know how two people can, be, can see the exact same situation, can be in the exact same situation, and one will see it one way and one a complete other way. One's looking at it carnally, and one's looking at it through God's faithfulness. I don't know about you, but that's the one I wanna be. I wanna see God's faithfulness on my worst day. I wanna see God's faithfulness when I get bad news. I wanna see God's faithfulness when I'm not feeling good, or when the things I'm wanting aren't happening the way I want them. I wanna see God's faithfulness in those things, and not just see it for what I think it is, because it's not working out the way I want it to. And when we trust in his faithfulness, when we experience his faithfulness, it transforms us and it, it causes us to see his faithfulness more and more. But to people that don't experience that, they, you can seem a little loopy sometimes to see God's faithfulness in the midst of tragedy. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. Because you can't get it until you get it. <laughs> and that's God's heart for all of us, that we would see it and get it. He transforms us. Okay, his faithfulness also strengthens us. It strengthens us in our life. You know, there's a strength that only those who know God's faithfulness can experience. I'll say it again. There's a strength available to us that only those who really know and live in God's faithfulness can actually experience in their life. We're not all at the same level of strength just because we're all part of the family of God. There's, there's much more strength available to most of us than many of us ever tap into in our life. The hard fact is that not everyone who's saved will really ever experience the strength God wants us to have in our life. So the question is, what does that strength look like? 
because we can easily create a, a picture in our mind of what we think the strength that God gives us. If his faithfulness brings strength in my life, what does that look like? Is it physical strength? Is it intellectual strength? Is it emotional strength in my life? What does this strength actually look like? I would say that there are times where God can do things like that in unique situations to give you the strength in that moment that you need, but really, it's not about a strength that makes us more powerful, it's a strength that makes us more confident to be able to trust him in his faithfulness. The strength that God gives us is mo more about confidence in him than anything else. With all my heart, church, I hope you hear this, because the strength, we, we can think of the strength that God gives us. If, God, if I'm walking in the strength of God, that I'm gonna look at all my trials, they're gonna end up in a big smoldering heap and I'm gonna be standing on top of it with my fist in the air being victorious. And that does, God will do that at times, but I'm talking the, the, the strength that God gives us overwhelmingly in our life and in our situations is not on the mountaintop with our fist in the air. It's a strength that comes from having confidence in him, trusting him that he is who he says he is, that I can trust him that he's going to be faithful in everything in my life, no matter what. Circumstances don't dictate whether or not he's faithful. Circumstances don't dictate whether or not I trust him. But my trust in him, there's a confidence there that cannot be shaken no matter if I'm top of the mountain or I'm down in the valley. That's the heart of God for us. In fact, speaking of valleys, I wanna read just one verse out of Psalm 23. Most of us know this verse. It's even people that don't know the Bible know this verse. It's a, a Psalm written by David from the perspective of a sheep talking about his shepherd, okay? But it's really about us talking about God our Father. And in verse four, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Okay, why does he fear no evil? Does this sheep have power over death? Is he standing on the mountain of death, defeated with his fist in the air? I don't have to fear any of this evil. I don't have to fear the valley of the shadow of death because I've defeated it. Is he defeated? Of course he hasn't. Sheep, humans, we have no power over death of ourselves. In fact, David writing this, he's gonna die one day, and he did. So it's not because he has total victory over this death, or this valley that he's in. Why does he have no fear? It's, it's in the very next line of that same verse. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he's got two things that tells him he doesn't have to fear. God is with him, which by the way, God's always with us, always, okay? And second of all, he said, he's saying that God is strong, that my strength is actually him, that my strength is not figuring out how I can defeat this situation and stand victorious. My, the, the, the reason I don't have to fear, the reason I can trust is because the one that's with me is strong. Because he says his rod and his staff, they comfort me. This rod and staff, these are symbols of the strength of the person that he is with. So this strength that he is with is why he doesn't have to fear. The strength of this person he's with is why he can trust and have this overwhelming confidence. Even though he's a little nobody in a valley of death, he has nothing on his own that could sustain him, yet he's with this other figure that has all this strength, and so I don't have to fear. But it's only because he has confidence. And he doesn't even say that the shepherd is going to 
do anything. He doesn't even say what he's going to do. He has confidence in the fact that he's with the shepherd and the shepherd has these symbols of strength that cannot be defeated. So our confidence, our strength in our life is not about always winning the battles, being victorious in all the battles and standing there. The symbol of the Christian is not a warrior with a, a full suit of armor on standing on top of the bodies that they've destroyed with their fist in the air. It is the one of a sheep walking along with a shepherd that's completely helpless but has full confidence because of the shepherd. That's it. The faithfulness of the shepherd is what builds the confidence. And our God is fully faithful and fully able to sustain us through whatever we go through. When things are good, he rejoices with us. And when things are bad, he gets us through it. When we feel like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. He's always there. And that is where our strength comes. That is where our confidence is. Praise God. All right, I wanna read one more verse very quickly. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. This is where Paul asked, asked God to take the thorn out of his flesh. He begged him to take it. And God's response to him was, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I, will, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Christ's power rests on me, okay? This gives us a little picture of the power, the strength that we have in Christ, okay? So this power, what does it look like? Because it says it's in, um, let's see, it's in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Okay, so Christ's power in me, it, it, it can't be just a physical power because if it's a physical power, when I'm getting insulted, that's good to know because that guy's gonna get a pop in the jaw, right? It's not about physical strength. When I'm being persecuted, do I need physical strength? Is that the power of Christ resting on me that I need? When I'm in hardships, when I'm in difficulties, is it about physical strength? Is it even about uh, uh, intellectual strength? Is it about winning the, the arguments when somebody's insulting you, being able to give them a zinger right back? You know, that's kind of the Yankee Christian way, but we're down in the South, so we don't do that. Um, but what is that in our life? It's obviously that this power that rests on us is a confidence in him. It's a trust in him that he is going to be strong only in my weakness. See, the sad thing is that so many Christians will never experience the strength God wants because we're not willing to be weak. God's strength in our life is only activated in our weakness. That's why Paul looks like a crazy person here saying, I'm gonna brag about my weaknesses. I'm gonna be excited about being a wimp because he knows that's what activates the power of God in my life, which is really just a, a trust and a confidence in him. That no matter, I mean, Paul didn't get delivered from every little thing he went through. He ended up dying for his faith. So it wasn't like, he wasn't standing on the mountain with his fist in the air in everything he went through. Yet he was like, I'm gonna boast about my weaknesses. I'm gonna rejoice in my, in my problems because I know that's where the strength of God comes into my life, which at the end of the day, ultimately is the fact that I can trust him. It's the peace that surpasses understanding, that goes against anything that makes any sense. It's all about trusting in him, having confidence in him that he is faithful, forever in my life, and I could trust him in his faithfulness, amen? Would you stand with me, please, as we close this afternoon? I'd like to pray for us. I wanna pray for all of us today. I just encourage you to open your hearts. 
let the Lord prompt something in you, speak to your heart. His faithfulness is what sustains us. It transforms us. It strengthens us. It saves us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we don't just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that your faithfulness is abounding. That there's more than enough. That it's never ending in our life. God, would you help every one of us to have a confidence that we can trust you? Not for necessarily the results we want, but just that we can trust your faithfulness, that we would be able to see your faithfulness on our worst day. We would see that you are faithful and that you are good. And there is none like you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray for each and every one of us today that you would continue to transform us, make us more like you. Reveal yourself to us in greater ways, Lord. We thank you that you saved us and that the salvation is sealed because it's gonna glorify you. We love it and we thank you for it, Lord. And I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that does not know you as their savior, that has not experienced the saving transformation that you do. I pray you'd reveal yourself to them. Reveal their great need for you. Every single one of us was born into sin. Every one of us needs a savior. And you're the only one that can save us from our sins. Thank you for coming and dying for us. Thank you for rising again. And thank you that you, you loved us and you called us to you. We bless you, Lord. You are awesome in this place. We love you and we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.